0: You know how everybody fills out one of those NCAA brackets? I'm talking about for basketball, and there's literally millions of those things. I'm not even talking about on paper and office pools now. I'm talking about online. ESPN had like a zillion entries into their database to try to win the college basketball pool. Not one of them was perfect. Perfect. Not even by accident. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I will explain myself momentarily. I'm Dan Kovachovich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Today is the exact two-week mark before the main event. The one that is going to at least begin, you would hope, to take the Steelers to another level. It's going to be pick 17, then after that, 32 and 49. So in rapid order, you're going to have a very good idea of how you feel about this football team heading into 2023. But also beyond, because these are really high picks. There's a reason that every single time I mention the Steelers' picks, their early picks, you never hear me talk about just 17, do you? No, it's 17, 32, and 49. And for that matter, even the the draftniks, the people who you know live their whole lives around these three days, keep looking at the Steelers' choices as 17, 32, and 49. Meaning, if They have a player that they absolutely love even if they don't need that position. They can go ahead and do that at 17 while still going hard at needs in 32 and 49. And that's why I'm going to continue begging everybody to back off this idea that 17 has to fill a need. Or, for that matter, that 17 won't be good enough for what it is that they want or need. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. I'm not expecting a move up. I am expecting That enough will happen in the upper part of the first round, the upper half of the first round, you know, all 16 picks before them, that the Steelers are going to be able to look at their own board and state with confidence, this is the player we'd have taken even if we were going 8th, ninth, or 10th. Do you hear what I'm saying when I say that? It's like this. When you watch the draft, when I cover the draft, we're going to be operating off what basically amounts to a cheat sheet, whichever one we choose, but it's more than likely going to be whichever broadcast we happen to have on. We're going to see, uh, here's the next five guys on Mel Kuyper's board, Todd McShay's board or whatever it is, and you'll see them in order. And you'll see a team pick someone, I don't know, who might be third or fourth of those five players. And you'll hear the panel go, Whoa, Dolphins really went off the board there, huh, Chris? Oh, yeah, unbelievable. Never saw that coming. Meanwhile, meanwhile, just like those NCAA brackets, there are 32 teams. That have 32, not just different boards, not slightly different boards. From everything I've ever been told by football people, they are radically different boards. They are boards that are so different than what you're watching that Mason Rudolph would have been the Steelers first rounder if you believe them on that one. I still am a little bit skeptical about that one. I think that was given to him to pump him up a little bit. But you get my point. The player that they have. Way up high on their board, maybe even top five or six, might be someone that they're expecting as they look around at other teams and their needs and what they're expecting those teams to do with those first 16 picks. They might be sitting there just going, yeah, we have a pretty good idea. We're going to get this guy. Do you remember the demeanor that both Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert had? regarding Najee Harris being available where he was, they had not the tiniest shred of surprise showing. It was like, yep, we know he's going to be there, partially because running backs in the first round are increasingly rare, unless you're a Saquon Barkley, potential superstar type. But in Najee's case, they were just so sure that they even kind of gave – a feeling off to the outside about that beforehand. Similarly, though, and in stark contrast, they legit had no idea Kenny Pickett would fall. They were certain a hundred times over that out of the teams picking in front of them, there was going to be not just one, but maybe two or three teams that was going to say, you know what, we just can't, go into this coming season, meaning 2022, of course, and not have a quarterback. So we're just going to take whatever quarterback. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. And the Steelers who'd spent all this time, Malik Willising, around every pro day everywhere, and ended up getting this gift, and they're stunned, and it's not an act. If you've seen the the -the behind-the-scenes footage, Of when the Steelers found out, when Tomlin and his staff found out, when Tomlin's running through the halls and he can't wait to get on the phone with Kenny. That's not a normal reaction for a veteran head coach, including this one, to have. And it was really nothing at all like what happened with Najee. Why? They didn't know. Nobody knows. That's my point. That's my point. So when you see the Steelers get to a pick, and not seventeen, let's 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 look at thirty-two here for a second. Let's say they get to thirty-two, and they take a player who is seen as wow, there's a reach. We didn't see that guy until third round or whatever else here, and the panel pans him, and instantly, that player is DOA in Pittsburgh. And you know what I'm talking about here because we will bury someone like this around here. We did it to Terrell Edmonds. There were even people and you can rewind to find the truth on this who hated the TJ Watt pick. Gross overdraft. Uh, No experience there. Lacks the size. Lacks whatever. Uh, He's not JJ was the one running theme through the whole night as I recall. And it turns out that all that happened was that the Steelers had him very high on their board for real and reacted the way they did for real because they believed in this player for real and it didn't matter at all what his position was when we come back j1q and before I start reading it, I feel like it's worthwhile sharing for people who might be new to this show or to my work in general. I'm always up for a challenge. Whether it's to something that I've written, something I've spoken, something you saw in a video or wherever else, I am always up to be taken to task on something. Might not agree with you, but I also might. And on that note, Glenn Sends this in, and he's referring to my opening segment on yesterday's show, in which I stated in strong terms that it's very difficult to know or to judge Dan Moore's performance because we don't have all of the information that's available to the coaches on the inside and know exactly where Moore is supposed to be and all that other stuff. I even brought Pro Football Focus into it and said that they'd have a hard time judging that. So here's, this is from Glenn now. DK, why don't you apply the same logic when judging Matt Canada as you suggest that we should use when judging Dan Moore's performance? The logic is that it's difficult to judge when we're not aware of the unknowns involved. One might posit there are far more unknowns and or variables involved in Canada's decision making that we are unaware of than there are with Moore's. Logic loses its power when it is inconsistently applied. But then that anti-Canada bias that the listener was referring to on a recent show has maybe taken hold of you more than you think. Okay. Like I said, I can, I can take these. In fact, can often enjoy them, and I'm going to enjoy this one. Matt Canada's production, Matt Canada's job, is infinitely, infinitely easier to evaluate his performance than Moore's for the simple reason that the offensive coordinator has one mission, and it's very easy to find in every stadium. You know where it is. It's that super huge lit up thing atop every end zone. There is no one, no one who could reasonably look at Canada's performance over the past season. And I'm not even judging him on anything before that or whatever else here because he had this past season, he had the rookie quarterback, he had a change at quarterback midseason. There were variables, there were other things in there. But he only has one mission at the end of every Sunday, and that is to score a reasonable number of points. Enough that will allow the Steelers to win. If he doesn't do that, and if management believes that he has enough tools to be doing that, Then he's not good at his job. If you want to go super micro on the process and say, well, let's examine, let's examine this sweep that he ran with Stephen Sims and see how this was blocked or wasn't blocked or whether this was schemed properly, or let's break down his route trees and see how they're all the same or they, they don't allow for enough flexibility, for example, for an extraordinary athlete like George Pickens. Let's look at the number of primary play calls that were aimed at the target that you'd most want to target. These are things that you can do into infinity, but at the end, when it's all over, it still comes down to points. You know how I know that? Because Canada says this himself all the time. In fact, pretty much any question that you ask him, he comes back with, Hey, we got to score points, or we got to score more points, or we got to score points. Well, Matt, what about the sky being blue? Hey, we got to score points. That's what you get out of him. You know why? Because he's right. That's it. Now, contrast that with more, not to repeat yesterday's episode. Those guys, offensive linemen, they don't even have stats. Have you ever actually opened up a a Steelers media guide, like the real thick ones that has the whole history of the franchise and all the other stuff and everybody's numbers and data? Do you know what's listed for offensive linemen in this, the year of our Lord, 2023? Yeah. Games played, games started. That's it. GPGS. That's it. That's all that goes on the back of the football card. No one lists your pro football focus rating. No one lists even stuff like sacks allowed because they have a hard time determining that independently since it's literally impossible to know who is responsible for most, not all, most sacks that are given up because it could have been anyone. It could have been your running back who was supposed to pick a guy up. Only the coaches know that, and to an extent, the participants. That's it. So that is a very, very big difference between Canada and more and how we evaluate them. But I am going to thank you again for sending that in. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.